if the customer has to click around to find out about shipping information, it's adding more friction into the sales process and it's probably going to hurt your conversion rate. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, it's John McIntyre, the autoresponder guy, and it's time for episode 71 of the Method Email Marketing Podcast, where you get nitty-gritty techniques, tips, and strategies to make more money in your business with email marketing, with sales funnels, with all those little conversion elements and marketing, okay? Now, today, I'll be talking to a good friend of mine. His name's Brendan Dully. He's uh, one of the most knowledgeable guys I know on e-commerce, so setting up an e-commerce store, and more importantly, not so much for beginners, he's, uh, he's, extre- he's very, uh, he really knows what he's talking about, especially when it comes to helping people who already have an e-commerce store, helping them make more money uh, with all these you know, sort of little conversion hacks. He's just built a product, which I think is a fantastic product with just a, basically a long list of um, simple steps that anyone can take who already has a store to increase their profitability and make more money and make more sales. So today we're going to be talking about four classic email marketing mistakes. Now the interesting thing here is that it's a little bit controversial, not crazy controversial, but a little bit. And the reason why is I've done a couple podcasts before with uh, e-commerce email marketing experts, Ezra Firestone and X Wang. Now they've mentioned things that Brandon sort of takes a different slant to. He goes off in a different direction. He has some, uh, some interesting, compelling arguments for why he does so. Now he's a very no-nonsense, down-to-earth Aussie guy. So uh, you've got two Aussie accents in this show, in this episode, not just one. Okay, to get the show notes for this episode of the Email Marketing Podcast, go to themcmethod.com slash 71. Now, here is this week's McMaster's Inside of the Week, the DAP formula. Now, what's the DAP formula? So, I love formulas. First of all, before I tell you what the formula is, the reason I love formulas like this is it makes writing copy, it makes writing emails, it makes creating marketing pieces for your business really easy and really straightforward. So, I'm a big believer in breaking things down into a formula or a framework, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Now, the DAP formula goes like this. Number one, you describe the problem, right? That's step one. Step two is you agitate it. And then step three is you present your solution. Now, this, uh, I introduced this DAP formula in one of the products inside McMaster's uh, in pages that convert because this is the simplest, easiest way to write a great sales page for any sort of product you're selling, even if you're trying to get someone to sign up to your list. Anytime you want someone to take your take an action, the DAP formula is uh, fantastic for it. Now, it's a little bit finicky. When you describe the problem, such as, you know, you know, are, you know, are you sick of being fat? And then you agitate it, and then you start talking about, well, you know, here's why it sucks to be fat, right? You're, t- you're trying to get them to feel the pain of what it likes to be fat. Before you present your solution, instead of going like, well, you know, are you sick of being fat? And then agitate, well, here's why it sucks being fat. You know, you don't have energy. You can't run around with your kids. Instead of then going, well, that's where my product comes in. Before you present your solution, you really need to present the solution in a general context. So you describe the problem. Uh, you're, you know, are you sick of being fat? Look, this is a very uh, colloquial, casual example. Are you being fat? You agitate it by saying, well, now you're, uh, you don't have energy. You can't run around with your kids. You're, uh, you're going to die early, all this sort of stuff. You see what I'm doing? I'm just making them feel the pain of their problem. That's all the agitation stage is about. 
Okay. And then when I before I present my solution though, I'm going to say, well, what if there was an easy, you know, simple way to to lose weight and get fit? All right? And the problem is there's tons of products out there that don't work. You've tried pills, you've tried blah 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 blah. So I sort of talk about the solution in a general way before I actually present the actual solution. So I'm like, what if there was like a simple way to do things that didn't involve dieting and didn't involve, you know, painful workouts and didn't involve all this stuff? You know? And then I go, that's where, you know, lose weight in 10 days lose 10 pounds in 10 days comes in my product lose weight lose 10 pounds in 10 days is my simple step-by-step program on how to lose weight blah 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 the idea is when you, you describe the problem you agitate it but before you present your specific solution you need to describe the solution in sort of a general detail so that when you present your product it's pre-framed as the ultimate solution so that's a bit like saying you describe their problem they being you know are they fat you agitate it here's why here's why it sucks to be fat and then you might talk about, well, there is a solution, but here's the problem. You go back to the problem again. The problem is with most solutions is they don't work because of X, Y, and Z. You know? And because they don't work, you're agitated again. So you're going problem, agitate, and then the solution is obviously to buy a product on weight loss. But then there's a new problem. Most products suck. The reason why that's bad is that then you go and spend money. You waste money and time, and you don't get what you want. So we've gone problem, agitate, solution, and then we've gone back to problem, a different problem this time that most products suck. We've agitated it, and then we present your solution, which is that's where my product comes in. So think about it like that. I could probably call it the 2x DAP formula, where you describe the problem, agitate, present a general solution, then describe the problem with the average solution, then uh, rinse and repeat the same formula. Okay, that's the problem I see that most people are having with this uh, with this form. This problem agitate solution is they they go straight into their pitch rather than talking about the the solution in a general context to preframe it. Okay, so that's this week's McMaster's insight of the week. This insight came uh, from McMaster's, obviously. McMaster's is my uh, private training community. There is a forum. There's monthly webinars, several products inside the community, including the McIntyre method, which is a uh, four week training program on how to write an autoresponder. So if you want to learn more about that, go to themcmethod.com and there is a link in the top header. Learn more about McMaster's and uh, find out how to join. Now, I've got one review and then we'll get into this interview. This review is from Mr. Sean Markey. Sean says, five stars, love it. Hey man, super love the show. I'm getting into the thick of things with my biz and really starting to be able to use a lot of the things you teach in the show. Gonna be joining your membership site soon, I suspect. Rock on. Well, Sean, I can't wait to see you inside McMaster's and we can jump on these uh, these training webinars and we can talk about these insights inside. <laughs> yeah, it'd be cool to have you in there, man. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to leave a review for the show, uh, you will you know, put a huge smile on my face and make me uh, crack up like this when I forget what to say. Go to iTunes, search for the McMethod Email Marketing Podcast uh, and uh, leave me a review. Tell me what you think, good and bad. I'll take it. Okay, now let's get into today's interview with Mr. Brendan Tully on the four classic email or e-commerce email marketing mistakes. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Brendan Tully. Now, Brendan's a consultant who uh, I actually met way back in Sydney about three years ago before I'd, you know, before I'd moved to the Philippines, before I knew anything about copywriting business or any of that, and I had all those you know, starry, you know, stars in my eyes about what it, the sort of lifestyle that you can get from it. And uh, I found Brendan on this forum. And we, uh, you know, he lived in Sydney at the time as well. So we we met up. We had a we had a beer and a lunch or something like that. And I was telling him about my content site that made 400 bucks a month. And Brandon told me that it wasn't a business and that I uh, I we just had a conversation about that. It was totally blew my mind. Anyway, today I thought I'd bring him on. He's uh, he's an e-commerce guy or he's a marketing consultant, but he's got an e-commerce product coming out a training product, which uh, he's just done a lot of cool e-commerce stuff. And I've been through some of the product. While I'm not an e-commerce guy, 
there is, uh, it's really actionable. Some of these screenshots, like he's put a lot of time into this. So we'll talk about that. But first, we're going to talk about the four classic email marketing mistakes when it comes to e-commerce store owners. So if you've heard the other podcast with, uh, I think it was X Wang and Ezra Firestone, uh, this is this is going to be a little bit more of a, uh, not so much controversial, but a bit of a different take. Uh, we're coming at it from a different angle, which is, uh, Brandon usually does this. I've seen him do this in forums where everyone's coming out saying one thing and Brandon goes, look guys, this isn't how it works. This is how it works. So that's what today is going to be about. Anyway, we'll get into that. Brendan, how are you going? Yes, good, mate. Good, mate. You make me sound like a grumpy old man. Come on. <laughs> just flowing with it, man. It's like you, uh, I, you know, with these intros, like I said, I don't plan them out too much these days. It's just, just see what comes to mind. Like get a bit of the, you know, the inspiration from the divine and see what comes out. Nice. I have some contrarian viewpoints that I, I think often they're very valid. <laughs> I think they are too, but are we gonna are we bracketing this one in the rant tags like the? Uh, I don't think we're. I don't think it's quite a rant. So yeah, I don't think we need to. We need to put the rant tags around this one. That's a good one. All right, all right. Well, before we do that, I've kind of given you a uh, sort of the the JMac intro. How about you give uh, give a listener sort of a background on who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So as you said, um, I run. I'm a marketing consultant, so I run a consultancy called the Search Engine Shop. It's been around for. Five years, five and a half years, started in 2008. And before that, I actually ran an IT company for about eight years. You know, we had 20, 25 staff. And as well, I've owned a, a fairly sizable online store that back in the day, we actually acquired it for free. And then the first year, we took it from doing 100K revenue a year to a, a million. And then in the second year, took it from um, doing a million to six and a half million. It's a long story, but we were very young at the time, like 24, 25, and had no idea how to manage that much cash flow and that many people and a business of that size. That, you know, There's a big difference between growing a business and business growth and completely uncontrolled explosive growth where you know, you're so out, out of your depth that the business has just outgrown you, you know, by a long way. So ultimately, we ran out of cash and um, both businesses failed as a result. Um, but out of that, I started doing online marketing stuff. I started getting a lot of calls from people asking about e-commerce and SEO. So this was back in 2007, 2008. And that's how the search engine shop started. And was very lucky in 2009 that with some friends, um, we won a government contract to do workshops and training for small business owners. So we've actually been doing those workshops. The contract has been rolled over in various forms for the last few years. So I've basically built the business on the back of those workshops. So you know, over the last five years, I've worked with around through the workshops and one-on-one consulting and services with around 2,000 businesses. And most of them, they're probably broken down into three, you know, traditional small business, bricks and mortar, retail kind of businesses, e-commerce businesses, and, you know, bigger corporate businesses and marketing departments. So that's the primary business, the search engine shop. I'm actually in the process of taking the e-commerce bit out and splitting it out into its own brand called Pareto e-commerce. So as you mentioned, we have a new product that we're kind of in beta testing called the Pareto e-commerce blueprint. So what that is, is basically the same consulting process that I run through with e-commerce clients in a DIY format because today a lot of people, you know, e-commerce business owners are tech savvy and can do the work themselves. They just need a bit of guidance and need to know what to do. Mm. I, when I took a look at it, I liked the idea of you just had like a list of, I don't know how many tweaks it was when I checked it out, but just a long list of like, here's call up your bank and ask for, I think it was a cheaper rate on the processing and then it was like just do this and then just do this and then just do this so if you you know it was kind of cool it was just like a list of actions that you could take someone could sign up and just go through them and uh, you know I don't know, aim to set up one of those things once a week or something and by the end of the year you'd have a much more profitable store than you did at the start yeah absolutely like none of it 
you know, there's no rocket science in it and a lot of it's common sense, but, you know, it's kind of like those things that people just, they forget about or they ignore or it's not on their radar. So, um, yeah, I have four things to talk about today. Classic email marketing mistakes that e-commerce business owners make. Um, and I think a lot of these come from people reading a lot of blog posts online and just following the general wisdom that's out there on the internet that's not necessarily, that hasn't been, I guess, checked or logic checked and they haven't run it through because they've read it online and they just assume that's that's what they need to do. They haven't really run it through their own filter and had, you know, thought about it in detail and, you know, logically approached it. You know, I guess they're in a way contrarian viewpoints or, again, these are like kind of obvious things. Like they're just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Let's try it and see what happens. And, you know, you can get a completely different result. And they're very, in a sense, they're, they're not, they're, more, they're kind of 80-20. You know, you do them, they're small little tweaks, but they can have a massive impact. Cool. All right. Well, so for classic contrarian, we're going to make sure we put that contrarian <laughs> email marketing mistakes. This is stuff like I like I haven't done e-commerce before, but so I've spoken to um you know Ezra and this guy X, and it, like it makes sense to me that you should do an abandoned cart email or that you should uh, you know do some order follow up. But what you're talking about here and, and what we're getting into is sort of doing it with a little more finesse instead of just like firing away emails you know at these places with these events. Actually, put some strategy into it. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of it comes as well. I've got a lot of real world sales experience, like selling in person, um, you know, selling big IT projects and things like that. So for me, a lot of these things are common sense, but a lot of people who run online stores and doing email marketing haven't necessarily sold in person. So they wouldn't necessarily think about these when they're setting them up. So yeah, the first one is abandoned cart emails and absolutely, you know, you've done podcasts on it before. You need to have an abandoned cart email system in place. It, it just makes sense. It's What's easy. An abandoned cart email system? So, you know, abandoned cart basically is anytime someone comes to the website, puts together a shopping cart, gets some way through the checkout process and leaves the website. So, um, the abandoned cart email system or cart abandonment system will detect that and send them a series of emails based on, you know, where they are in the, the checkout process. So, you know, basically asking them why they didn't check out their order. Okay. And so what we've done, like I'm, from what I remember in the uh, previous podcast, you, usual thing is, you know, you just send them out three, you know, three emails, five emails, you know, one goes out an hour after, one goes out, you know, a day after and you could offer them a discount, you could give them a testimonial, you could remind them about the guarantee and they're all sort of standard things that you might do but you're talking about doing something a little bit different. That's the mistake, right? Is doing just that. Yeah. So the mistake is really trying a close harder approach so, you know, pushing them into the sale rather than trying to find out why they didn't purchase in the first place. So, basically, people have their priorities wrong. So, with cart abandonment emails, the typical or the standard approach is I want to get the conversion. It's like trying to make the sale, like really, here's a discount. Here, try this. Check this out. Here's a bigger discount. Like if you think about it, if you were in a physical retail store, you walked in there, you poked around, picked up some products, had a look around, decided not to buy and walked out. If the sales guy came out and ran down the street chasing after you, screaming that he'd give you a 10% discount and you said no, and I was like a 20% discount, 50% discount. That's not a very sophisticated, it might work, you know, if the discount's big enough, but it's not a very sophisticated way of selling and it cheapens your brand and it's not very effective. Instead, the priority should be to uncover why they didn't check out. So find the reason, find out the reason why they didn't complete the purchase. Now, obviously, there's going to be some people who got interrupted that, you know, they had an internet connection problem, they got distracted, you know, they walked away from the PC. There's going to be a proportion of those. So typically on the first email, 
any sort of reminder is going to pick up those people. But asking them what was wrong, if we did something wrong, why you didn't check out, and then using those insights, asking them for a reply. So, you know, you've talked about it and, you know, the basic email structure. It should always be sent from a, a real person's email address they can reply to and asking them why they didn't check out and using those insights to improve the website, make tweaks and changes, change the pricing structure, whatever it is, long-term will work a lot better than just simply throwing discounts and, you know, focusing on trying to make the conversion or the sale. Okay. So, we're thinking, taking much like a much more long-term perspective where you sort of bring that into the sort of iterative process when every time someone gets a reply, you might create a Google Doc or a spreadsheet with all the different reasons that people aren't checking out. And then once a month, you go in there and you kind of go, all right, so everyone's saying that, uh, that, that they didn't know we had a guarantee. So, maybe we can make our guarantee more visible in the header of the page or something like that, or that we have free shipping, that sort of thing. Right? So, using the information that people reply to these emails to sort of drive the development and the optimization of the website. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll notice over time, you'll see the trends. So, it might be that your shipping cost is too high or all of a sudden, there's a cheaper competitor on the market and your prices are too high compared to those. But you know, just throwing away the discounts and trying to close harder is a stupid way to approach it. If you approach it with some finesse and find out, uncover the objections basically and then answer those objections in updating the website content, changing the marketing strategy or whatever it is. is Long term, it's a much better approach than simply just trying to make the sale. I like the story there too. And you've got like, if you went into a store... And you didn't buy something, you walked out and some guy's chasing you down the street yelling out discounts at you. Maybe it works, but that kind of, that story sort of highlights the, it's just the stupidity. Like it's a bit silly. It's so, it's just silly. There's much better ways to go about it. Yep, absolutely. All right then. Well, let's do uh, the classic contrarian email marketing mistake number two. Okay, so let's flow, flow into the next one using unsophisticated sales and marketing tactics. So the classic one is just like we've talked about, discounts. So throwing away discounts without any strategy around them, discounts really should be the last option. You don't want to cheapen the product or throw away margin when you know a more a better sales tactic will work um, or be more effective. So you know discounts are really the last resort. So you shouldn't use them so often. You shouldn't be throwing away every month doing a sale without a good reason. So you know, I would say whatever you do, make sure that discounts are the last thing that you try in all your marketing. There are other things you can try up front. For example, a buyer's guide or, you know, top 10 tips for, you know, things people don't know about this product. Something like that is going to be more sophisticated and probably work better than just throwing away the discounts. Again, if you take the real, you know, walking to a retail store analogy, you walk in there, you look at products, the sales guy comes up to you. The first thing he says is here's 10% off. It just, it doesn't make sense. So, you know, you want to explain the product you know, help the customer make a buying decision rather than just saying, here's a discount, quick buy. So this is going to, I mean, you can give the discounts and get the sale. You're saying what's going to lead to sort of, I mean, more of a long-term profitability with the store or even maybe a short-term profitability is going to take more time to sort of massage the sale. Yeah, absolutely. So stop trying to, you know, there are some reasons to use discounts, right? So they can be used strategically to increase, increase the size of orders, for example. So, you know, you can have an opt-in pop-up when people get to the site where, you know, there's a you know, $10 coupon if they spend more than $200 or something like that. So that's using discounts in a, in a smarter way because you're using that to increase the order value, but simply just throwing away money is a bad idea. Um, it's important to think about, you know, there are things customers need to know in order for them to, to make the purchase. So they need to know about shipping methods. They need to know about payment methods, you know, returns and warranties, those sort of things. So a lot of people forget that, you know, they need to remove the friction 
distraction from the sales process. So, you know, updating the website copy and content to help the customer uncover more of those things or find that information out, you know, more easily will often work much better than just simply throwing away the discount. You know, a classic one is we see on e-commerce sites product page copy that really has a line of text about the product and that's it. It has nothing about shipping, returns, warranty, or payment information. So simply just being better about the sales copy and the sales message will work a lot better than just throwing that discount out there. Okay. So is this sort of the sort of thing you'd have in like the product description or could you have like in the header you might have free shipping on all orders over I don't know $100 or you you could make it sort of like a site-wide explanation or would you have product specific sales copy? It depends. There's definitely, you know, the header is something that a lot of e-commerce stores underutilize. You know, it's a big chunky bit of space that that displays on every page. So if there is something like free shipping or some advantage you have over competitors, absolutely that should be in the header because it appears on every page. And a lot of people, for an e-commerce store in particular, most customers are not coming in through the homepage. So they don't read all the sales copy on the homepage. So having something in the header is more likely to make them stick around. But you know, from a, you know, I like to think uh, the way I explain to my clients is that the, the product copy, the copy on the product pages should really act as a sales letter in itself. The customer should be able to get the majority of the information they need to make the purchase without having to leave that page. So that means really that product description should have something about shipping and something about payment information and warranty and maybe you know some videos or a link to a buyer's guide or some extra information. If the customer has to click around to find, about, find out about shipping information, it's adding more friction into the sales process mm. and it's probably going to hurt your conversion rate. Okay. So what you could do is you you could have a widget on the side, you know, in the sidebar or something like that that explains sort of in more detail because you're not going to be able to fit that in the header, but sort of explains like how it like like buying from us how it works or something. And it's like, well, first you make an order and second this happens and third this happens. Really just so they know exactly what's going to happen when they make an order and, you know, the shipping, the returns and all that sort of stuff. And then you'd have product specific copy just explaining the product itself in the description, which usually like the more words you've got, the more selling you can really do. As long as it's interesting, that's that's usually the idea. So kind of take some time to actually sort of articulate what the product is and who it's for and what it's going to do for them. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I mean, it depends on the site layout as well. You know, it, ultimately, what you're going to be able to do. So different site layouts are going to allow you to do different things. But yeah, it's a classic mistake. Not enough sales copy on product description pages. Um, one good tool that we use that you often because it's hard when you're, you know, it's your site. You're so blind to these things, and you're not the customer, so you don't see a lot of these things, and you don't feel a lot of these problems. You know, two tools that we use to uncover a lot of this stuff. One is Crazy Egg Heat Map Analytics, so you can kind of see the visitor behavior as they're poking around the site. And another good one is Clicktail Analytics, where you can actually see videos of user behavior on the site. You can see them clicking around and scrolling up and down the page, and you know, moving through all different pages, and it gives you a good feel for what they're looking for. You'll see them land on a product page, then click out to the shipping, then click the contact us page and, and bounce around the site. So you get a much better feel for you know what the customer is looking for and what they're doing. Okay. Okay. Well cool. What's uh what's mistake number three? Okay, number three is you know, we kind of talked about this already, but caring more about the conversion than the customer. So you know a classic one uh order follow-up emails or post-purchase emails. So and I know you've had podcasts about this before with other guests talking about there's a whole bunch of strategies around you can have you know automated sequences and auto responders about you know following them up and you know if they have consumables emailing them after 3 months or whatever and you know seeing following up to see if they're going to buy more consumables but you know one of the the key things that people forget is you know if you care about the customers and make them feel cared for 
you know, that's one of the best ways to improve your conversion rate. So, you know, classic way to make the customer feel cared or a really easy way to do that is, you know, have the order follow-up emails and, you know, typically that's a review request email that goes out. So, 10, 20 days after people order, the e-commerce system will send them an email automatically saying, you know, can you put a review on, on our page? How'd the product go? You know, adding a couple of lines in there to just ask the customer if they received the order, what did they think about it? The product, you know, is it doing what it needs to do? You know, just asking them a few questions and caring and asking, you know, asking them to reply with their feedback will work a lot better than just saying, hey, can you put a review for the product? Okay, so it's sort of treating them like a person instead of just a sale. Mm-hmm. You've got to think of that. You know, if you think about the customer, if they're your best friend, if your best friend ordered from your site, you know, 10 days after the order, you're going to shoot them an email and say, hey, how'd you go? What do you think of that product? If you treat the customer like they're your best friend, then the whole email marketing system is going to work much better for you and you just the conversions will be easy. You won't be pushing uphill all the time. Okay, and then so I guess it'd be worth having someone on the support staff to reply and respond to those emails that come in from customers. Yeah, absolutely. It really depends on the size of the store. So if you're a small store, you can have the emails coming out from your name. So, you know, John, if you were running a site, you could have the emails actually, the automated emails come out with John at, you know, mcmethod.com or whatever and they reply and they go directly to you but if you have a bigger site where you have customer service people you can make someone dedicated in the customer service team to you know stick their name on the outbound emails that they handled or replies okay okay I like this. So, but does this? Would you have? Would you have like an email going out first that says, "Hey, just wanted to know how the product was," and then after that, you'd send another email about the review. I usually do it in one because a lot of a lot of the time when dealing with a small business clients that we only the e-commerce system will only support one email. So usually we'll put it, you know, you could do both, but usually we'll just lump it in together with the same email. So we start off, hey, you know, it's John from Method or whatever. You know, just wanted to see how the order went. Did it actually arrive? We said the order follow-up emails usually to go out 18 to 20 days after the sale because by that stage, they should actually have the, the order, the, the product should have arrived. So ask them whether it's actually arrived what they think about it, if they have any feedback. So just ask them to reply. Um, so we ask them, you know, do you have any feedback or ways we can improve the website or anything that you didn't like about the website? And then we have the blurb, you know, the kind of standard copy with has a link to the product page where they can submit a review on it. And, they, and you know, ask them to do, ask them for a favor. You know, can you do me a favor? If you have, you know, three minutes, just put a review for the product um, and let us know what you thought about, think about the product itself. Okay. What about things like, so in that within that sequence, you've got the review sort of like to ask them, you know, treat them like a person, ask them for a review. Can you do stuff like, uh, say, you know, 10 days in, you send them an email with sort of like a, here's how to get the most from, your, you know, your new kitchen knives or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it depends on what the product is and it's definitely product and market specific. But yeah, again, just caring and treating them like you're, they're your best friend. If your best friend ordered, what would you send them after the sale? Like, if you think about it through that sort of lens, you'll write much better emails and the, the whole autoresponder post-purchase sequence will work much better. Okay. Does that mean, so like when I'm emailing my friends, sometimes I, I kind of write pretty uh, pretty casual. Can you can you get away with that sort of thing with uh, follow-up emails? Yeah, I think so. I think you've got you to walk the, the fine line. It depends how casual. It needs to be casual sounding. Yeah. So, you know, and one hack to do that instead of opening a blank Word document or, you know, opening the email tool and trying to write emails from there is actually just open your, your Mac mail or your Gmail and write the email in there because your mind will frame it differently and it will sound more natural, more casual rather than a bit more forced. And yeah. you don't want it to come off like being kind of cheesy or even sleazy. So, 
Yeah, okay. Well, one of our, well, one of our friends, Rob Hanley, he's got this uh, way of doing, you know, this, this sort of thing where he'd go on Facebook, he's got a few fake uh, accounts with pictures and sort of like an avatar, I think, that he's dry, you know, drawn up so they each have a personality. And then he pretends he's writing to them and writes them a message and then copies and pastes that message into his email to send that out to his list. Yeah. I mean, anything you can do, kind of hack it and get get out of your own way. Like, it's really hard to stare at a blank page, whereas you're in your own email client or in Facebook half the time or half the day. So it's really comfortable to start writing in there. Um, and it, yeah, you just got to make it sound more natural and flowy rather than forced and kind of manufactured. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the last one, number four. So the last one, we're just not paying enough attention to email in general. Um, you know, one really common mistake or one really uh, – probably more of an oversight than a mistake is e-commerce you know business owners they'll set up the site and the business is running great it's been running for a few years and you know the owner themselves haven't been through or anyone in the business hasn't been through the checkout themselves in years so they don't actually know they're not familiar with what's been sent out of the checkout how it's working what's wrong what the emails look like so by not paying attention to emails and caring about even just those automated transactional emails you know, often they'll be saying the wrong things and they won't look good or they're missing out on a huge opportunity to do, you know, do better emails um, and send better emails to the customers. Because I know you've in the, the X-Wang podcast, he talked about leveraging those transactional emails and they're a huge opportunity because people read them. Um, and also from a, not just from a conversion perspective, but from a customer service perspective, answering common email, uh, common questions in those emails can also significantly reduce the customer service overhead as well. So I would say that email is probably in almost every business is probably the cheapest marketing tool they have and one of the easiest ones. You know, there's a very low barrier to entry and you know, once you are doing email, it's very easy to tweak it and do it better. Mm. So I'd say just generally not paying enough attention to email and not caring about it enough. There's e-commerce businesses that are giving so much time and attention to SEO and AdWords and they've got all these consultants and you know management going on for those marketing channels and you know there's nobody really caring about the email marketing. So I would say giving it more attention, some dedication is really going to pay off and you know you see it how it impacts the conversion rate if you, you know, consistently give it some attention. I liked it too how I mean the cool thing about email is that it's such an automated sort of system so that once you've got this set up you might want to check it once a month or once every three months go and go through that checkout process to see what's you know what's actually going on but once it's all done you can kind of just you just then you go back to SEO and pay traffic and you just kind of pour leads into that funnel email sort of part of that conversion process. Yeah, absolutely. It's the ultimate way to clone yourself because you do something once and it because it's systemized and automated, it happens every time without you know, without you thinking about it. That's why it's easy to forget about it as well. Like it's easy to forget that, you know, it's so powerful if you give it some time and attention or put some attention towards improving it over time. But with the transactional emails, so you've got the like the order confirmation, the shipping confirmation emails. What sort of like do you have sort of a like a, a template or like a three different emails or five specific emails that you put in those? How do you do it? I don't have anything templated apart from just giving them some attention and you know, the big win there, particularly the transactional emails, is getting ahead of any customer service inquiries. So you want to tell the customer how they can find the tracking information about their shipment. You want to tell them what to expect next. Like in the selling process, as a general rule, you should always the customer should always know what's next. So you should be leading them and leading the way. So, you know, in those transactional emails, you should be explaining them or telling them what to expect as the next step. So, you know, you see the default emails that come out of e-commerce systems are terrible. They're badly formatted. They have a whole bunch of words in there that are not very marketing friendly, I guess. So, <laughs> you know, I'd say that, again, with the transactional stuff, it's better to focus on 
the customer and caring about the customer as opposed to simply trying to make the transaction. So if you can you know, anticipate what they're asking or take those common customer service questions and rework the transaction emails over time, you know, the customer will feel better and, and their general experience with you will be better. So I think that's where, you know, for me, that's where I've seen the win in those transactional emails. Okay. And what about some sort of referral in there when, you know, they've bought, say, I don't know, you know, a big steak knife or a set of steak knives to cut up steak. And of course, and, uh, <laughs> and then you offer them some, you're like, well, would you like, uh, would you like this big meat cleaver as well? Would that be the sort of thing that you could put in a, a transaction email? It doesn't have to be the main topic, but it could be just down the bottom. So they read the email, they read the customer service stuff. And then at the bottom, it might say, by the way, you know, people who often buy steak knives, they also buy this, uh, this meat cleaver. Yeah, I think if, if it adds value, then it's definitely worth trying you know, and testing. I think it's, you need to test it and see what offers work better. But if you think if there's something that's going to add value to them, if they, you know, maybe they need a sharpener for their knives, or they need to know, that, you know, maybe you could just send them to a, a link to a page with, you know, how to sharpen the knives. And on there, there's, you know, your sharpening product or whatever. But, you know, if you're going to, if there's something that will add value to them or the sale or the whole transaction process in general, you should absolutely be promoting it. You know, it's you should be there to help the customers. You know, selling is not you know, people have a bad. You know, selling typically has you know a bad rep. It's really solving someone's problem. So if you can solve their problem better by you know if there's a complementary product or service or there's another company that you're partnered with, even um, where maybe getting affiliate or referral commission, then any anything like that absolutely can go in transactional emails or just like a post purchase follow up. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, we're right on time. So we're right on 30 minutes now. Before we go, though, let's talk about Pareto e-commerce. What's the deal? What's the deal? Uh, well, the website's ProtoEcommerce.com. So if anybody's interested in checking it out, they can head over there and stick their email address in and they'll get a whole bunch of information. Um, so like I said, it's basically my consulting product um, broken down into DIY format. So um, once you sign up to the site, It'll walk you through a bunch of modules and you'll also get the tools that I use when I'm working with clients. So you get like a framework document, which is really just a spreadsheet with the list of the, the improvement items and some conditional formatting in there as well. So you can actually track where you're at with those improvement items. And particularly if you're a bigger store, it's a good way to manage and delegate those out. Um, you know, typically there's something like 120 improvement items in there or line items. And typically when we do consulting with clients, we'll get three to five improvements done per month so you know it really is there's a lot of meaty stuff in there and it's probably realistically if you're hustling you could probably get all the improvements done in six or 12 months but you know if you you're a bigger site and a bigger business then you know, there's probably a few years worth of improvement action items there so um yeah it's a bit different to your standard information product where it's not just throwing information at you it's giving you the tools to actually go out and be able to do it yourself and you know mm. The add-on tools and cloud tools that we use to, you know, do things like abandoned cart emails and post purchase follow up and all that sort of stuff. Okay, this isn't like uh, like there's a lot of other products out there where they, they you know they're teaching about drop shipping in e-commerce as sort of like a biz op or a you know, business opportunity. Whereas this is more for someone who's already got a store who's already making money and just wants to get better results with it. So they're, they're sort of like an experienced entrepreneur. They're already getting results. Yeah, so it's definitely. It will work better for established businesses and typically you need to be doing six figures a year revenue or more um, to get the most benefit out of it. If you're a smaller store and you're doing five figures a year, you will get some benefit. Um, and the prices, you know, right now the price is 197 Australian a quarter, which works out to be two bucks a day. So it's not super expensive anyway. But, um, it's less yeah, than the, a Starbucks coffee a day, right? Yeah, exactly. 
Um, but the bigger you are, you know, these are kind of multiplier type improvements. So, you know, if you have a big site to begin with, making an improvement that you know improves sales by five percent. If you have a, a million dollar business, that's going to be a much bigger improvement than mm. you know a business doing a hundred grand a year. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so they sign up and they go through, and, and they can just sort of pick and choose which uh, which direction they want to go in. Yeah, I mean they get so it's broken down into sections. So the first section is quick wins. So whenever I work with a client, you want to hit the quick wins first, and you know, some of these things are super simple. Like, for example, their abandoned cart emails, you know, just by implementing something like that can be a massive win for conversion rate. So, it starts off with quick wins, which, you know, should within the first couple of weeks, the product should pay for itself and be making you money. Cool. And then after that, that goes into sort of the main list of uh, changes. And this, I like the idea here where you can kind of go in there and maybe you could do it yourself or, you, you know, give it to some, uh, you know, a contractor or an employee. You just pick, like you said, three to five things, maybe 10 things, depending on how busy you are, just hand them out and then that's your sort of work done for the month. Yeah. And I've got templates like swipe, I guess, swipe files where you can just, you know, and I have some examples in there where you can just simply cut and paste and change out the words to your business name and, and you're away. Yeah. And just to go back to the name, I don't know if we've mentioned it yet, but this whole idea of the Pareto uh, principle of, uh, you know, I've had Perry Marshall on here to talk about this, this whole 80-20 idea. So you're talking about ch- like little changes that produce big results. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. All right. So that's at paretoecommerce.com. I'll have uh, a link to that in the show notes at themcmethod.com. And if, uh, if someone's interested in your consulting or wants to learn more about that, where would they go from that? Probably uh, head over to my uh, consulting website, thesearchengineshop.com, and um, shoot me an email through the contact us form. Cool. All right. So links to all that at the McMethod. Brandon, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, awesome, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.